Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to the first political party of 2022. I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you've had a great start to the year. And what better way to start the year on this show than this phenomenal episode with Alistair Campbell. He sets a frantic pace from the outset and he doesn't let up. And it's got all the things you would want from Alistair Campbell. Brilliant stories from his time at number 10, but a lot more contemporary stuff. I didn't just want to talk to him because he's been on the show a couple of times before and obviously... Anything that comes up about New Labour is great, but I'm really interested in what he thinks about stuff now, about where Labour should be, not just on the traditional stuff, but we talk about whether he's woke or not. I mean, there's so many really good stories in here, things I've never talked to him about before, and he hammers me um, for stuff that will become apparent. So this is a, it's just an absolute corker. I'm not surprised at all uh, that he always delivers, but it's just a cracking way to start the year. I can announce some future guests. Now, you may remember Neil Kinnock was meant to be the guest on the show. We had to move things around a bit. So I can now reveal the guests for the next four shows. And these are every single one of them. It's just going to be absolutely incredible. So here we go. You probably already know my next guest on the 24th of January is Labour's deputy leader, Angela Rayner. I cannot tell you how, I, how excited I am about that. I think Angela Rayner is one of the most exciting talents in modern politics. And I like politicians who look and sound a bit different who have their own style, who feel like they're not just trying to sound like everyone else, as well as being talented, which is the crucial thing, of course. But I think there's something really exciting about Angela Rayner. I, I cannot wait to talk to that. It's on Monday, the 24th of January. Then my next guest, two weeks after that, oh my word, on Monday, the 7th of February, is Michael Heseltine. Oh, my God. I mean, this is just heavyweight. Then on the 21st of February, and this is going to be a, a, a riot of an evening, Edwina Curry. I mean, I'm so excited about this. And then I'm delighted that on the 7th of March, Neil Kinnock. So there's next four guests, Angela Rayner, Michael Heseltine, Edwina Curry and Neil Kinnock. I mean, that is an absolute season ticket of modern and contemporary and historical and, you know, just phenomenal characters from left and right from different eras different perspectives they're all going to be wonderful you can get tickets for all of them at mattford.com slash live of course you can email the political party as well politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com but today's show belongs to alistair campbell it's so funny but also as you'd imagine with him very passionate very sharp very direct and it's just a great mixture of everything so Enjoy the show. As always, it's just such a pleasure to be back at the Duchess Theatre. I'm so grateful that people come and see the show live. You can come and see it too at mattford.com slash live. But I will leave you with uh, the stand-up highlights uh, of this show. And then, of course, the irrepressible Alistair Campbell. Welcome one and all uh, to a new year. And of course, it's always nice. Um, I, I realise it's slightly late in the month now to, to start with those special three words. Arise, Sir Tony. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Santa got my note. <laughs> I'm so pleased for it. I'm not just pleased for him. He pisses off all the right people. <laughs> That's what it is. There's a petition that people have signed to revoke his knighthood. A million people have signed it. Now, I don't know if they know much about the Queen, but she's not really a kind of, let's have a vote kind of gal. <laughs> I think it's pretty secure. The hard left, the SNP, they're livid, but then they always are, so it's fine. I just love the fact... I mean, the problem is with Tony Blair, there's no nuance at all. This is what drives me mad a lot of the time, is people, you know, either think he's a war criminal, or they're the most evil man that's ever lived, or you never get a balanced view. You never get a sensible person saying, look, he's the greatest Prime Minister of all time, the most naturally gifted politician Europe has ever produced, and people who don't like him are mentally unhinged. <laughs> I think that sort of nuanced point would be... Uh... Welcome. Uh, Richard Bergen on the hard left is, uh, again, characteristically livid. Uh, not just livid, livid and stupid, as per usual. And uh, it's a toxic mix. He said it's a disgrace that Tony Blair has got a knighthood while Julian Assange faces extradition. <laughs> what, the man who leaked, hacked the Democratic Party's computers? By the way, uh, was going to be extradited on rape charges. This is the guy you want to bring into this conversation. It's a disgrace as well. Margaret Thatcher was put in the House of Lords. Jeffrey Epstein didn't even get an OBE. <laughs> the logic of it. But uh, Labour getting off to quite a good start in the new year. Keir Starmer made his big speech. Did anyone hear it? Yeah. Excellent. Did anyone like it? Yeah. Okay, the people who liked it, uh, you know, people who heard it liked it. And uh, the vast majority weren't even aware of it. So uh, <laughs> I guess there's a political lesson in there somewhere. But uh, he started off, Keir, he said, I want to make a new year, a new pledge, stable leadership. That's a very sort of Keir Starmer New Year's resolution, isn't it? Cut down to 20 fags a day, only get shit-faced at weekends, and build a stakeholder society for all our people. <laughs> he also said, there's a lot to be proud about. A lot. A lot to be proud about in our country. The rule of law and civil society. <laughs> Not where I would have started, really. <laughs> the problem is with that, you know, when Ed, it doesn't matter what country you do it in the world, particularly when it's Britain, though, it always gets a bit shit. They always do that sort of weird list. Of course, a country with a proud history. The Beatles, the NHS, brown sauce, jam. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Broken radiators, scattered showers, alcohol-related violence. <laughs> That's more like it. Have a bit more of that. But... Um, he also said, Labour leaders as well, I think so many of them copy previous leaders. And uh, obviously Tony Blair's big 2006 speech where he starts off by saying thank you to everyone. They all do that now. Every Labour leader starts by saying thank you. Kit Stoll said, to the care workers, to the delivery drivers, thank you. I mean, surely not all delivery drivers. <laughs> Apart from the ones who work for Yodel. What a set of bastards. Every time I get a, every time I get a package delivered... I think he misreads the sign that says fragile and thinks scissor kick this over the fence into the fucking garden. <laughs> and also balance it out a bit. This is the thing. It's nice to say thank you, but as a leader, you've got to divide people sometimes. I'd like it. If every time Keir Starmer said thank you, he then lists people he doesn't want to thank. And by the way, as while we're thanking people, let's talk about those people that don't deserve thanks. People who, when you let them out at a junction, don't even acknowledge your existence. <laughs> people on the tube who get to the top of an escalator just stop walking. <laughs> People who go to Oxford Street on a Saturday to do a shop, fuck yourselves. <laughs> this is more like it. So get on board with this. Um, of course, Keir Starmer uh, uh, tested positive for COVID again. 
had a terrible weekend. Uh, he tested positive for COVID and couldn't go and watch his beloved Arsenal away at Nottingham Forest yesterday. <laughs> Arsenal, so aware of his predicament, are now socially distancing from the FA Cup. <laughs> Nigel Farage has turned over a new leaf. What a, what a changed man. He is, now, he is now lobbying on behalf of Serbian migrants about to be deported <laughs> from Australia. My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, what? I, I can't handle... If, if Farage becomes a social justice warrior, I cannot live in this world. I'm taking the knee because trans rights are human rights. I can't... There's only so much I can handle of this. Uh, he's also set up a financial advice newsletter called Finance and Freedom. And uh, it's a daily... I mean, what sort of idiot would take financial advice off Nigel Farage? But... Um, I've signed up to the newsletter. <laughs> Just in case, you know. But uh, there's, there's a really funny bit. I watched these videos on YouTube. Set it up with this other guy. And this lad, they're, they're, he's interviewed him in one of these sort of afternoon clubs that he sits in. He goes, so Nigel, why have you decided to set up a daily finance letter? He said, well, um, since I'm not an MP anymore, an MEP, I've got a bit more time on my hands. He's <laughs> sort of depressingly honest answer. <laughs> Well, frankly, don't have too many friends, didn't have many in the first place. I mean, try popping down to the local Land Rover garage in the afternoon. Uh, uh, asked the manager who fancied a couple of beers. Once it was obvious I wasn't going to buy anything, he wasn't interested. And uh, it was like, that'll get a dog. Uh, and frankly, can't be bothered picking up the shit. <laughs> Something really, really sad about Farage. And, and this whole thing, it's not really financial advice at all. He goes, I took on the political establishment. I took on the media establishment, and now I'm taking on the financial establishment. It's like, yeah, but you couldn't get elected to Parliament and you're on GB News. Like, I get the Brexit thing. I mean, he is five years away from going, and now I'm taking on the pharmaceutical uh, establishment with my new drug, OxyContin, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. The establishment don't want you to have it because it's an opioid. I've been on it for five years. feel absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Bizarre watching him uh, go through all this, but uh, Boris Johnson, of course, is in a lot of trouble for these parties. Uh, it's been revealed today that the socially distanced drinks during lockdown one, where two of us weren't even allowed to meet in a park, 40 of them sat outside uh, the Downing Street garden and had crisps, picnic food, and apparently, according to one source, it was a proper booze-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three men were sick, five got knocked out. It was a right old do, mate. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, it's very easy to get jealous about this, but you just, the problem is, you know, if you ever worked in politics around that part of town, all the food they'll have got is from that shitty Tesco Metro near <laughs> Westminster Tube. Don't be jealous of it. Oh, no, we, we, we could have a fantastic party. We've got, uh, well, we got uh, ham sandwiches, we've got meat, uh, we've got, uh, uh, we got five bottles of that Mars drink, uh, and uh, uh, a lovely Beaujolais uh, Malbec mix uh, from Echo Falls. <laughs> Got a box of it for a fiver, and of course, some rubies extra. <laughs> the food would have been absolutely shite, so don't, don't, uh, don't get too jealous about it. But the, the email from the principal private secretary, uh, Martin Reynolds, uh, to the staff, uh, internal, uh, to number 10 staff, said, look, people have been working very hard, and it's been very stressful, um, so bring your own boots. <laughs> The last bit's the absolute kicker, isn't it? Because the start of it, you go, this is totally understandable. Civil servant looking after his staff. But don't... The last bit is mad. Well, look, a lot of us have made a lot of sacrifices. I know that people in number 10 have lost loved ones. So, uh, Jägerbomb. <laughs> Slightly undercuts the earnest tone at the start of it. Um, apparently, Boris Johnson likes uh, Martin Reynolds because he allows him to be loose with the rules and doesn't stop him having fun. 
It's, I mean, it sounds more like a nanny. <laughs> oh, come on, Marty. Oh, come on, let me... Oh, blah, blah, blah. I knew for a fact that Gus O'Donnell used to let Tony Blair have cake. <laughs> oh, come on. Give me cake or I'm telling mummy. <laughs> but Boris got jeered at the darts. This apparently is seen as a major sign that people are turning against Boris. At the darts before Christmas, at one of the arenas they're having the semi-finals in, people going, stand up if you hate Boris, stand up if you hate Boris. <laughs> the analysis, because it's just great. I mean, that's, people have protested against Boris Johnson. But I saw someone, I think, on like Sky News go, well, you know, this is proof now that uh, people in the Red Wall are, are ready to turn towards socialism. <laughs> Is it? I think they're just taking the piss out of the Prime Minister. I think it's like an ideological paradigm shift. There's a stand-up if you hate Boris. There was no, like, left-wing chants in there that I could discern. It's time to nationalise. Da-da-da. Train times never took so long. So long, so long, so long. Absolute nonsense. I mean, football crowds have been giving him way worse. The darts thing went viral. The clips, I think, of one of the Liverpool games, it might be these people just going, Boris is a cunt, is a cunt, he's a fucking cunt. <laughs> no wonder the stadiums are full. <laughs> Forest Arsenal yesterday, we joined Martin Tyler and Jamie Carragher. Well, that's right, we're at the city ground for Nottingham Forest against Arsenal. It's a capacity crowd of 30,000, all turned up to call Boris Johnson a cunt this afternoon. <laughs> We may well get extra time, an extra 30 minutes of people calling Boris Johnson a cunt. For, stay tuned for that. Jamie Carragher, what do you make of the progress they've made here at Nottingham Forest? I think it's great, no, I do. Uh, what you've got to remember is, for 23 years, you know, Forest fans might have called him a knob or a dickhead, but they're making such progress under Steve Cooper. You know, they call him a cunt all the time, and I just think, you know, it shows the real togetherness in the squad. So, one for me and Alice to that, really, but... Uh... Now, as you know, uh, tonight was advertised as Neil Kinnock. Sadly, Neil Kinnock can't be here. Um, so, at the very last minute, what a phenomenal replacement. Um, one of the greatest political communicators of the last, what, 18 months? <laughs> <laughs> a real talent, always funny, always outspoken, genuinely one of the most talented people to ever work in number 10 Downing Street. Please give a huge welcome to Alistair Campbell! <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what a reception. Yeah. Nice you, is, that, is, that, is that the norm? No. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you are. Uh, it was a nice introduction. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. I thought your BDI joke fell flat. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I thought his character was good. Yeah, his Bergen was... I'd never seen you do Bergen before. That was quite interesting. Well, that's because you should be hearing it in The Hague. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he'd say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> have you ever met him? Yeah, I have, actually. Yeah, I've, I've done a thing with him. A mental health thing. Yeah. What? Yeah, I've done a, I did a... What was it? We did a thing together, a group of us. Um, and, and he and I were together as part of a group. I'm sure remember what it was, but I was actually quite impressed by it was about suicide. Let's just bring it right down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was about suicide. And he, he'd, he'd had a very bad situation in his uh, constituency, and, and it, was, it was all right. I mean, I thought better of him um, <laughs> after that. And was he nice with you, or was he a bit off? No, he was fine. He was fine. He was fine. I mean, 
I think, you know, don't forget, I've been through, uh, you know, I had the whole John McDonnell thing when, I mean, the, one of the reasons I did, well, I had a fight with John McDonnell on Question Time. Yeah. Uh, and Grace had to separate us in the green room. Um, Whose side was she on? She was, well, she does a whole act about this because my daughter's a far better comedian than, uh, <laughs> than Matt. And, but she does have this whole thing about how she was actually, she was actually trying to get off with Seb Corbin, who is working with, with, with John McDonald. Yeah, she's not bothered. She's not as political as you are, Matt. Um, but, so, no, it was a bit sort of... But then John agreed to do that interview with me for GQ magazine, and the Corbynistas hated him for it. Um, but, no, Bergen was fine. He was fine. He was fine. So, if... if I mean, obviously, Grace separates you and John McDonald. Mm. You probably should have been separating her and Seb Corbyn by the sounds of things, because if, if love was to bloom... Uh, imagine that wedding where... The two father-in-laws, Alistair Campbell and Jeremy Corbyn. It's actually fathers-in-law. OK. Yeah. <laughs> That's the issue with it, is it? Well, I just think if, if your language is the English language, you should respect its grammatical construction. <laughs> That's what I think. So... I'm sure you stand by everything you've written, Alistair. So... I do, I do. <laughs> I do, yeah. Uh, yeah, it would, be, it, would be, it would be interesting. I always liked Seb, actually, and, um, you know, I've, I don't have a personal animus against Jeremy Corbyn. Are you quite left-wing, then? Would you... Are you at the sort of slightly harder end, despite being New Labour? No, I'm saying, I'm saying I'm... I'm, I'm um, am I right left-wing? I feel I'm getting more left-wing as I get older, and I'm getting more left-wing with this government. Uh, I mean, I, I despise this government so much, I can't even laugh when you're being funny about it. <laughs> I can't. When you, when you do the whole sort of the Johnson bumbling thing, I might have found it funny when he was, you know, on the Telegraph. I now see him. He's the Prime Minister of one of the greatest countries in the world and he is wrecking it. And I just, I can't, I honestly, I do think Labour onto this, this line about, your care's getting better, by the way. Yeah. Your care is you. getting better. You've still got, you can't work out whether the noise is there or here, can you? Well, you know what it I'm, is? And that's why you got Ed Miliband in there. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so true. Yeah. You know, Ed, you know, Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> is that... <laughs> was Keir's more... Very important. Very important. Say to the Prime Minister, very important. Very important. <laughs> that's the sort of way in. It's the sort yeah. of chop and yeah. the, you know. Yeah. Good-looking guy, though. Who? Kia. Kia. Mm. That helps a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you think he's doing? Kia. I think he's doing better than he was. Uh, no, I mean that. I think, I think you've got to speak as you find. I think, I'll tell you one thing, though. I do worry that... <sighs> I think part... You, I enjoyed your Sir Tony bit. That made me laugh a bit. <laughs> uh, but I do think that there's part of today's Labour Party... Because the left, the kind of that Bergen, Corbyn, all that lot... Your the, mates. No. That, they have always seen us as an aberration. Yes. Right? The parts of the country saw us as an aberration. I think most people thought, yeah, that's quite impressive what those guys did. But if you've had... We've said this before. If you've had the Labour Party trashing our record, the Tories obviously trashing our record, and most of the media trashing our record then don't be surprised if you get a generation that eventually grows up who thinks, well, what's the point of having Labour government? Because they've always been terrible, right? And so 
I just feel that Labour don't necessarily... Uh, thank you for bringing one of the volumes of my diaries along. If you read one, volume one, <laughs> right, that's volume eight, isn't it? Yeah. If yeah. you read volume one, the one thing that comes through that, or should come that through to anybody who reads it, is winning that election in 1997 was incredibly hard. Now, it doesn't... That sounds odd, because we won it by a mile. We had a landslide. But it didn't just happen. It happened because we worked at it, like, every day and every night, and we never, ever, ever stopped. And I sometimes worry with, with Labour. I think when Keir is out doing stuff, I think he's... You know, I think he regularly beats Johnson at PMQs. I think he's out and about. But there's two things I think I'd really like to see more of. One is really big arguments about the state of the country. And the second is just relentlessness in campaigning. And I don't... I, don't, I still don't feel that Labour's doing that yet. Why? What I never understood, because there are other people that have had that energy. And taking politics out of it, Farage was always energetic. Uh, Salmond was always energetic. There are people who aren't New Labour who have that intensity about it. Mm. George Osborne had that intensity about politics. Why haven't Labour people since New Labour had that relentless drive? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, look, in a way, Corbyn sort of did. Uh, you know, especially when you think that he's, you know, even older than I am. Uh, so he did have energy and he did, but I think, I don't know is the answer. I think it's partly because the generation has grown up thinking that Labour just win. Because we won three elections in a row. Well, that had never happened before. We never won, we never had two full terms, ever. So that, if you look at the, listen, I think, I think the shadow front, the front bench is a lot better than it was. Okay, I think Rachel, you know, uh, David Lammy, um, you know, I, I think Wes is good. I think Peter Carl on the front bench, Pat McFadden. You know, there's some good people. Yvette, Home Shadow, Home Secretary. So that's fine. The, the good people. But if you think about where they came from, I mean, okay, Pat worked with us in Number Ten, but a lot of them, they sort of they came in when we were already sort of either there or almost there. And I think sometimes they underestimate just just how hard it is. And I tell you what, against this lot, against this lot, because let's, let's not, you know, beat about the bush, this lot will do anything to stay in power. Anything. You know, lie to the Queen, break the law, you know, give peerages out for three million quid, all the stuff that they do, which we're just, it's just becoming so normalised. So do not think that they won't try and rig the election in some ways. They will. Um, so Labour's got to be absolutely on it. What do you mean by rig the election? Well, I think they'll do everything in their power to... You know, I'm thinking, talking about stuff like boundary commissions and, and the funding and they're getting rid of the electoral commission and, you know, all the stuff they're doing to make sure that they get all the money coming in. I mean, you know, Johnson sort of blithely says, I don't, I don't think Britain's a, a corrupt country. Well, nor do I, but I think it's becoming a corrupt country. And they are the people who are making it become corrupt. Helped, by the way, by the media. You... You seem to make a point of calling him Johnson. Do you, do you ever call him Boris or Prime Minister? No, and I don't think anybody should. Well, technically, he's the Prime Minister. <laughs> right, he is. <clears throat> he's, 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 he's been to see the Queen, and she said, I'd like you to form a government, and he's gone off and he's put together this fucking rabble of Brexiteers <laughs> and, you know, utterly second-rate people, none of whom... With, with, I think two of them... I think two of them might have got jobs as junior ministers in Thatcher's government. And who would they have been? I think Sunak and Gove might get a job, right, as junior ministers in Thatcher's government. I don't think any of the rest of them would get a job. I really don't. Liz Truss is the foreign secretary. 
I'm sorry. I can't laugh at it. I can't laugh at it. She does, you know, she is now in charge of Brexit. And what did she do yesterday in the Sunday Telegraph? Because all they do is speak to their party members all the time. I'll revoke, you know, I'll do Article 16 if I have to. They haven't got a clue what they're doing, apart from politics. And here's the other thing for Labour, and it, it's quite weird. The government is now just as politics, right? They just do everything's political yes. for them, right? Labour is the opposition. You'd expect them to do more politics, right? But Labour actually, I think, should be doing more kind of country, government. You know, be, I think Keir being serious, there's no point Keir trying to think he's going to be, you know, out funny Johnson or whatever. So actually being the serious guy is the thing, is the thing to be. And what advice do you give him on how to campaign against <laughs> Boris Johnson at the next election? What are the key messages? What would Labour's slogan be if you were in charge? Uh, I don't know. I, mean, so I know the slogan's difficult because these things get, you know... Yeah, no, what? Well, they, they take months, you know, they're focused... No, they, they, they... Well, listen, here's something. I, I don't... I hate the way I keep... I keep reading, it may not be true, yeah. but that they've, everything's getting sort of focus group to death. Both sides, right? We never used focus groups to tell us what the strategy was. We used focus groups to check that the strategy that we were on was working. Yeah. And if it wasn't, you might, be, you might think about it, right? So I hear far too often, oh, we don't want to do that because the focus groups are upset about it. You have to upset people sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like the thing on... Uh, I really do think... I mean, I know that they all think I'm obsessed, and I am, right? Um, <laughs> but the, the fact that the only reason they're even remotely getting away with Brexit is because the media don't want to call it out, for obvious reasons, they backed it. But Labour aren't calling it out either. And it's going horribly wrong on so many fronts. Now, so I would say, and they would say, oh, yeah, but you don't want people to think that you're going to rerun the whole thing. And I will say to them, listen, they're going to say you're going to do that anyway, regardless. They've already started it. One of his five lies last week, we all know they want to take Britain back into the European Union. They're going to say it anyway. So what you should be doing is actually just calling out the reality of what's happening and laying it on their door. But also, surely you would say, if we're not going to go back into the EU, then rebut that hard. Absolutely. I mean, rebuttal seems to have sort of, you know... The, the, absolutely, you've got to... Look, I honestly don't think... I know it's tricky, this, right? But I think one of the problems that we've got at the moment, the country, the country parliament, the media haven't worked out how to deal with it. Our system of government has depended forever on the so-called good chaps theory. Yeah. When, it, when push comes to shove... Yeah, they all knock about with each other and they all kind of pretend to hate each other, but actually, deep down, they're all decent, honourable people, right? We have a fundamentally dishonourable, dishonest person as Prime Minister. Somebody of zero morality. That's who we have. And yet we still treat him, both the system... So, like, last week, classic, he tells five lies in Parliament... I mean, the best one was, you know, Angela Rayner says, you said this thing about, infl you know, inflation's not going to be a problem. I never said that. Before it even ended, Beth Rigby on Sky tweeted the clip where he said it. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. And then at the end of it, somebody tries to raise it and Lindsay Hoyle slaps them down. 
I mean, honestly, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Because I'll tell you, this, this and, and I know, listen, I'm putting my neck right out of there on this. And, I'll tell you, and I know I get the whole stuff. Oh, well, you're Mr. Dodgy Dossier, Tony Blyer, all that stuff. What is incredible, like, all your friends who signed this petition, and I completely agree with you, by the way. Right. What, you don't think Blair should run a night of it? No, listen, I, I can't stand the honour system full stop, right? Can't yeah. stand it. And I've worked on that side, right? Yeah. However... However, I can't stand it. I wouldn't have one, and etc. However, uh, that one that he's got, <laughs> right, is from the Queen. Yeah. And I don't, can you imagine what the papers would be saying if he'd said no? Can you imagine if it came out, the Queen had offered him the Order of the whatever it's called. Right? Garter. Garter. I mean, what, honestly? <laughs> but can you, can you imagine if he'd have said, oh, no, thanks, Madge, I'm not having it. I don't want it, right? Can you imagine? In those that? words. Well, but you know, just think about it. What Steady the, on love. What, what, the, what, the, what these right-wing papers would be doing with that, right? And so, and that, by the way, one of the things that is, is driving this whole thing, our frank, fearless and free media that pretend to care about the truth, we're guardians of the truth and the public interest, right? They are the biggest enablers of what's happening in our debate. You know, today, you can feel it. ITV have got this story about... You mentioned the party, about this, you know... So, I mean, basically, the Prime Minister, his entire cabinet and his entire team have been lying about this the whole way through, right? When that ITV... Uh, Paul Brand tweeted that thing today, the, yeah. the, 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 which shows, you know, not only another party and there were more people, bring your own booze, and I completely agree with you on that as well. You know, I mean, fucking hell. You're trying to say you've worked really, really hard and it's been absolutely shit. We're going to have a party in the Guardian, in the garden, bring your own booze. I mean, and by the way, it's a small garden. So this idea, there was all this sort of, you know, if everybody you'd invited had turned up, there's no way they were socially distant, like a football crowd. So... Flares up the arse. <laughs> Shut up. So they, but they, you could feel it tonight. You could feel it. You could feel that around news was going, oh, how do we ignore this? You know, can you imagine if that had been us? Can you imagine if under a Labour government, or imagine if it had been Macron? Imagine if it had been Sturgeon? Imagine if it had been any other politician other than this fucking charlatan in there. <laughs> so the double standards are driving this, and it's normalising lying and corruption, and it's excusing utter incompetence every single day. So, there's a lot to go off here. I'll come back to the politics a bit, but just on Tony Blair's knighthood, did he tell you he was getting one? Have you spoken to him about it? <laughs> did he ask your advice? Uh, he, 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 I, I, I was aware. I was, I was not shocked. I was not shocked. And what did you say to him? When? When he said, oh, I think I'm going to get a knighthood or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say it like that, so I can't. I can't really answer it. Unless, unless you tell me exactly what he said, I can't really answer the question. Look, Alistair Heights, Tony. Um, look, I've been on the phone to to, to the palace, and I, I, no, I think they're going to give us a order of the garter or something. And um, look, I'm minded to accept it. Boris Johnson's creeping into this, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. But I just wanted to, you know, run it by you if you thought there was anything I should no, really sort of he, he, No, he didn't say that. He, okay. he, 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 I was aware it was happening and, and it was, a, it was a, a fait accompli. He, he, he absolutely knows my views about the order system. Uh, I used to have to work on the order system. 
on on the on yeah, the list. Yeah, I remember some stories about that. Oh, fucking hell. Honestly, I I had a it's it's tragic this, but people don't understand this. But I had a golden rule: anybody who came in trying to bend your ear to try and get one. And, and that would have included people like... <laughs> Matt Ford, MBE. <laughs> uh... Let's see if I'd ask for one. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> be, I, I just don't get why it means so much to people. Because I've always seen it. This is back to, are oh, you left wing, right? Yeah. I've always seen it. And, and I think Tony's strength, I do think this is one of his strengths as a politician, he could work out, he knew what mattered and what didn't. And ultimately, this stuff, he doesn't think it matters that much. And OK, it doesn't in the scheme of things. But I sort of think it does matter quite a lot. Because I think the honour system is just a big part of how this country doesn't change as much as it should. Uh, and I think you see that in the, you know, the, in the kind of... You see it in the ranking, the empire... We don't have a fucking empire. We've lost the empire because, you know, and now we've got these clowns in charge, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I just... So, anyway, yeah, he basically said, um, uh, look, I know you don't think much of this stuff, but anyway, there you go. What do you think? What did you say? I said, let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, maybe... no, I, I, I completely get it. You can't... He, 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 he couldn't... I also think it's utterly absurd. I mean, never mind... I know, look, I know that people, a lot of people disagree with him over Iraq, right? But if you actually look at what Tony Blair achieved as Prime Minister over three terms, I mean, honestly, th there shouldn't be an award that exists that isn't given to him for what happened in Northern Ireland, which this lot are fucking up, right? So I just, I just can't get excited. And also, these people who sign petitions and stuff, I mean, I, I sign petitions. Uh, <laughs> which ones? I haven't done that one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I would do, I would, but can you make, you know, of all the things to get angry about at the moment, yeah. right? Food, have you been to a food bank recently? They're bigger than supermarkets, right? Have you, the, the fact that he lies five times in Parliament, the fact that Liz Truss is playing this same <laughs> nonsense game about Article 16, right? There's so much to get angry about. And to get angry about that, a million people, please, get a life. <laughs> So, what was the last petition you signed? What was the last petition I signed? I don't sign that many. Uh, was it like change.org 38 degrees, or was it like a literal pen on paper? I prefer pen and paper. Yeah, I thought you would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I'll tell you the other thing, because I think what happens with this is that I do honestly think that this whole thing about people thinking that signing petitions is what politics is now about. Yeah. When actually it's not. And voting records. All that stuff. I mean, it's like... It's, I just think that there's a danger that we, un, we misunderstand what real political activism is. I'm not saying it's not part of it, it is part of it. Yeah. Um, but no, I can't remember the last one I signed. It would, have been, it would have been a while ago. So when you worked on the honour system then, you, you're, you know, you're to the left of Tony, is that fair? Uh, it, depends what, it depends what that means. I mean, I, look, I, I, I agreed with the, what we were trying to do. Yeah. To get into power and then what, most of the stuff that we did in power. I didn't have a trouble. I didn't have a problem with it, but yeah, probably a bit. Probably a bit to his bit to the left. Would, would that ever play out in the conversations and the dynamic? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So what would you try and make him more left wing? No, because I didn't think it was. No, I'd argue. I'd argue, and we'd, you know, we'd, there, were, there were people in there who were more right wing than Tony. What? Um, <laughs> 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 you see how I throw these nice, easy full tosses, and he tickles it round for a single. Um, 
Uh, no, I think, I think, how would it play out? I know, listen, one of, the, one of his many strengths as a leader and as a prime minister, he liked having arguments with people in his team. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff. I was probably, yeah, m much more to the left on education, say. Uh, m probably much more, a bit to left on public services. Um, but, you know, ultimately, unlike Dominic Cummings, who obviously thought he was running the government, I didn't think that. You know, I knew that any power I had was his. It was dependent on him, because he was the Prime Minister. And there were times when I, you know, there, there were some, two or three occasions where I wouldn't do something. Either because I didn't feel I could, or didn't want to, or I was, might be having a bit of a sulk. <laughs> right, sometimes, but very, very rarely. And what would you sulk over? Not really sulking, but... Um, <laughs> no, I didn't... I, I've, look, the, for, again, for all the journalists that used to write, oh, he's a liar and he's all this, I find it very hard to lie. Um, I find it very hard. I mean, there, there's, a bit, there's a bit... Where did I say this? I, I heard the thing about... Um, oh, it came out in the, um, in the 30 Year Papers recently, uh, where it, there was a memo that I sent to Tony, and... Um, <laughs> it was about Claire Short. Uh, and I said to him, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going out to defend her again. Uh, this was way before Iraq. It was, I can't even remember what it was about. Was it the thing at the party conference where she no. turned up with her past? Do you remember that? No, I tell you what it was. It was. She said something about how the unionists were... She, she, was it the Ku Klux Klan? It was something... It was some, I can't remember what it was, right? <laughs> But it was like, and I, and I sent this note to Tony. I said, look, Tony, I've, 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 I've defended her. I've killed her with love, right? I've pretended we're not bothered about it, but I'm not doing it again. Um, so somebody else had to do the afternoon briefing. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you think about Dominic Cummings, some people might put you guys in the same bracket. They'll go, well, these are, these are unelected advisors. They're very powerful in number 10, highly influential over the prime ministers that they serve. And other people might... Less charitable people might say, well, you and Cummings are kind of similar guys. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to gain political advantage. You were uh, basically campaigners in <laughs> government. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I would not do that. No. no. Is there any similarity at all? How does it feel when you get lumped in? Uh, I don't feel I do get lumped that much. Um... Look, look, I think the thing about the big difference, I really do think the big difference is that I, you said I was powerful, right? And I, I, and I guess I was in that within the number 10 setup and within the government setup. If I was trying to get something done, uh, my writ would in the main run. But it didn't run because it was my writ. That's my point. Dominic Cummings had his own agenda, right? I didn't have my own agenda. So that's. And the other thing I'd say is that I just, you know, I, it's why I find it so bizarre that we still get whacked for being dishonest when I don't think we were. This lot, who are dishonest and who won a referendum by being dishonest, and Johnson then became Prime Minister by being dishonest, and now is dishonest on an industrial scale on a daily basis, helped by people like Cummings, it's like, that's the bit I don't like. But you understand it, don't you? Because when New Levy came in and Tony said we're going to be whiter than white and be seen to be whiter than white, there was a kind of 
morality to New Labour in the early days. It mm. maybe evolved in government, but definitely it was, we are going to be better people than the sleazy Tories. Mm. In the end, with the sort of majority that you had, that was always going to become undone. So it was a sense of betrayal with that, whereas with Boris Johnson, in a way, people say, they've always behaved like yeah, this. There's, we some, what we're there's, yeah, there's something in that. I mean, I, I think that... Look, I don't think we ever... In, you know, stuff happens in government, um, and all sorts of stuff happens, and some of it you like, some of it you don't, and scandals come and they go. But I would argue that this lot are in a different league in terms of the scandals. And somebody said yesterday, you know, just imagine about the lies and the scandals that we don't know about. If you think how many we already do know about, say in relation to COVID, uh, say in relation to some of the housing stuff. So even, so, and this is how bad it gets. I and mean, when Gove comes along today and starts talking about this cladding thing, and look, I really try not to be cynical. I don't like being cynical. I actually like to think the best of people. I like to think the best of politicians. I actually do, because I think it's a problem for the country if we all end up thinking they're all terrible, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm sort of listening there to Michael Gove this morning after he got out of the lift in the BBC. And, <laughs> and, um, and I'm, 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 when, when I hear the words, I'm thinking, oh, there's some, there'll be some really big scandals in this. Links between the companies, the building industry, honours, all that stuff. I, I just, and I think that's what sort of people we've got. Um, and it rots from the top. That's the point. So do you think Labour needs to fight a bit dirtier in, in taking on Boris Johnson's government? I think, I think they've got to be careful, because I think if the country starts to think that all Labour care about is whacking the Tories for being, as you say, something that we kind of knew they were, right... They've got to do both. They've got to be very, very aggressive on this stuff. And I, you know, I often think about, I said, where did I see? I saw Dennis Skinner um, on the telly. Oh, because I was watching the Hillsborough programme. And I don't know if you've seen it, Anne, with Maxine Peake. But what's interesting is that they use a lot of foot news footage from the time and debates in Parliament alongside the, the, the drama, the dramatisation. And I was thinking, because I always, I, I think Labour needs to find four or five mix of backbench and frontbench, who are the attack dogs? We just go for them yeah. every single day. Never stop. Really get inside their heads. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's what they need. But alongside that, you need the positive, here's the Labour agenda as well. And that's why, actually, I think, it, you know, whether it's deliberate or not, I don't know, but Angela Rayner really going on them on this stuff and Keir kind of being a little bit above it, that might be the right way to do it. But, yeah, I think, I think we've got to stop pretending that we're dealing with a normal government. We're dealing with a deeply abnormal government. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And how do you feel uh, with Keir Starmer being patriotic and using the Union Jack and stuff like that? Obviously, you're not a fan of the honours system, but 
You don't hate our way of life, do you? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. I, I, one of the things that most annoys me about Brexit, about Farage, about Johnson, is this sort of... Uh, the way that they've tried to co-opt the, the idea that patriotism mean, is a sort of form of, actually, English nationalism. That really pisses me off. So, the, look, I understand why Keir's doing it. It doesn't bother me at all. It really doesn't bother me. But I think you've got to be really careful um, with this stuff. And, uh, look, I'm very, very British. I actually... I've, I do feel my Britishness being challenged a lot at the moment. Uh, who or what by? Brexit. Uh, Johnson. The fact that he's been elected. Um, the fact that they do what they do. I feel... And I know you and I probably won't... Dis and I'm not a Scottish nationalist. I feel my Scottishness has grown. Yeah, that's because we got to the final. <laughs> so we? England. Oh, you were playing? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I saw all this. Oh, great. Well done. Yeah, yeah you did really well. <laughs> Honestly, you and football, you... you, you I, I love wanna, it. I, I, no, you maybe love it. I want to ask you a very direct question here. Yeah. Did you go to that game yesterday? No, I didn't, no. <laughs> I'm not having any views on football then, ever. What? what? But How can you... Nottingham Forest, who used to be a really big club and won European trophies, right? No, used to be, always no, be a big club. and have now gone into... <laughs> now have gone down a bit. They yeah. get Arsenal in the third round. Yeah. It, I, I could have told you they were probably going to win. Yeah. Right? And you don't go. You better have a very, very good reason. <laughs> What? Because I wanted to be here tonight. He was T yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... Hold on, hold on. <clears throat> hold on. Nottingham. Yeah. You go to St Pancras. Yeah, I know how to You get, get on a train, <laughs> or you can drive. It was a 5.10 kick-off. 5.10? It was yeah. a 5.10 kick-off. You could have been in bed by 10 o'clock. OK, two things. One, I am a bit nervous about COVID, and I want to still be able to put shows on. I'm sick of having to reschedule things and stuff like that. So I took that seriously. I showed you the respect by not putting myself in a situation where... Oh, it's about me. Where My fault. Oh, I was... Right, OK. <laughs> get right, I get the blame for him not being a proper football fan. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah. The idea, we'd just knock Arsenal out of the cup, I'm just going to quietly get on the train home. I'd still be there. <laughs> not having it. Not buying it. I'm professional. How, all right. Anthony, oh, let's, let's move through COVID. How many away ends have you been in as a fan? Oh, loads. How many? Oh, God, I, can't, I couldn't tell. I was at QPR away the other month. I'm going okay. to Millwall away on Saturday. Yeah. I've had trouble there, by the way. Well, I imagine Twice. the places you haven't had trouble is a short <laughs> I've been in 86 away ends as a Burnley <laughs> fan. OK. Do you know who the previous owner of that tie was? Sean Dyche. Correct. You look up any pictures of Sean Dyche, he always wears that tie. Not anymore. But when he spills, when he, <laughs> when he spills something on them, he gives it to me. Um, what, well, no. do you spill on it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you're obviously trying to make out I'm not a real football fan, but you, you know that's not true. No, I think I, if, if I was a Forest fan, there's no way I'm not that game. <laughs> no way at all. OK, well, sure. let's talk about England. How did you feel about England in the, in the Euros over the summer? Sorry? England in the Euros. How, how did it make you feel as a, as, as a raving nationalist? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I feel... Look, when it comes to football, I am Burnley ahead of everything else. Yeah. Right? When it comes to international football, I am very, very Scotland. OK? Uh, I, like, I really like Gareth Southgate. 
I actually did get into this team being much better than a lot of other England teams as a group of young men. And, uh, <laughs> and I played the bagpipes on Good Morning Britain and I played the Italian National Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd have been fine with them winning, but I wasn't. I wasn't getting in like you. I wasn't into it like you were. And do you know what? The other thing was, I was watching that charlatan trying to exploit it in the way that he was, and it was putting me off. Yeah, but people weren't having it. People didn't fall for it. Uh, no, maybe they didn't. But he was. He was doing it in a way that I found deeply offensive. Well, he wore a shirt um, over his work shirt. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> I mean, whoever wears a football shirt over a white shirt with a tie. <laughs> Answer somebody who doesn't give a fuck about football. <laughs> and who probably, you should watch the Hillsborough thing, by the way, because, has anybody seen it? Yeah. Brilliant, isn't it? Amazing. Unbelievable, yeah. It's one of the best things I've seen on television for a long, long time. But actually, one of the things that it shows, and I'm not saying that, you know, we didn't get a lot of stick for it as well, because we didn't operate, we didn't act as quickly as they wanted to do, but Andy Burnham, I think, comes out of it really, really well. But actually, I think it does show um, a sort of contempt for people who like football. Uh, and I know there was a lot of bad stuff going on. You know, you'd had Heisel, you'd had uh, Bradford City Fire, you had hooliganism, all that stuff going on. But there was a sort of contempt because this was working-class people. Mm. Uh, and I, I, by the way, I, you mentioned rugby and the, the willy in the glass. Yeah. Uh, that, that, <laughs> fell, that fell flat as well, didn't it? Um, but... <clears throat> <clears throat> but do you, know, do you know an interesting sporting fact? I think I'm right in this. Nobody who's from rugby league has ever had a knighthood. Back to the honour system. So that's what I mean about it being part of a know your place. If you run the rugby union at RFU, or there's a knighthood, goes with that one. Because it's, it's class. But footballers get knighthoods. Yeah, yeah. Better to them. watch, isn't it? What? Football. With knighthoods? No, better to watch the rugby league or rugby union. Yeah, but, but rugby union gets knighthoods. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, but it's if you don't like I'm, not, you, I'm you not doing rugby football. Yeah. I'm doing football... Rugby, rugby University Rugby League. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. I, I get it, yeah. yeah. So, you, yeah. you said you're not a Scottish nationalist, but... So let's say there was another independence referendum. Yeah. How would you feel? What would you want to happen? Mm. I'd, want Brit I'd want the UK to stay together. Um, because, as I say, I, I really feel that's kind of where we get our strength, where we get our power and all that stuff. And that's not to be sniffed at. I actually think that Ireland might go first. I think Northern Ireland might go before Scotland does. Um, I'd be very, very upset if the United Kingdom broke up. But I'll tell you what, I've just been up in Scotland for the last new, Christmas and New Year. Uh, when, there's a guy, I've written about this in the New European this week. Brilliant paper, by the way, you should subscribe to it. <coughs> um, I think numbers-wise, this would double the readership. So <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is moderately funny, <laughs> but completely untrue. Because... Uh, <laughs> eh? I don't know why they don't do that. But anyway, the, the online stuff is, is going gangbusters and it's going fine. Anyway, what I've written about is this guy who uh, I met in, up in Fort William uh, just, in, uh, just after New Year, and he said he was not a nationalist either, he's a unionist, but he said if they don't understand the effect it's having that you lot, England, keep sending us prime ministers like Johnson, then they don't know what's going to hit them. And I think that's... I, put it this way, I completely understand that. I totally understand that. Um, so if I, you know... And I've got, I've got family members up there who, 
Um, some have always been nationalists, some have always been unionists, but, you know, there's two or three that are on the fence now that weren't. And did you ever talk to Nicola Sturge? I have done, yeah. Yeah. What about? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what? What's about? Well, you know, stuff. Like? Scotland. <laughs> How much you love it? England. Britain. Uh, no, I talked about mental health. Uh, lots of stuff. Yeah, but you obviously talk about the Constitution a little bit. I mean, you're no, obviously right. No, no, no. no. I, listen, I think, I think if, if you just... If you, again, I hope Brian Wilson and Douglas Alexander aren't in the audience because I get grief for them every time. <laughs> but I just think you've got to say things as they are. Who, who is... Who would... When you look at them, if I look at Johnson and Keir, right, and I'm asked, who do you think is more trustworthy and more honest? I'm going to say Keir. Not because he's Labour, but because he is. If somebody says to me, who do you think actually is a, a more, a, a stronger, better leader, Sturgeon or Johnson? I'm going to say John, Sturgeon. What about Sturgeon or Keir? Sturgeon or Keir? Yeah. I hope Keir. I hope Keir. When he gets into power. Um, but you can't, it's like, even with Salmon, who's, you know, absolutely come a cropper for all sorts of reasons, but you, you do this with Farage, you have to recognise when people have shown, um, you know, commitment and skill and they've made change. And so I, I, just, I just think that... Look, I'll, I'll be honest, you, you know this. I'm very, I'm, I'm very ambivalent about all sorts of this stuff and my, my, that sense of identity is fluid. My sense of national identity is fluid and I felt it changing because of Brexit. You know, but in a way... I would never have put... I would never have put if you'd have said to me, what's your national identity, yeah. 10, 15 years ago, European would have been fifth or sixth. But it's a lot higher now. Because I think I'm realising what we're losing. But don't you... Equally, and I say this as a, a Ramona, mm. and, a, and as a, you know, a, I'm, I'm not any fan of Brexit or anything like that, and I'm new Labour to the core and everything. But equally, to allow our view of our fellow people, mm. of this amazing country, mm. be decided by one snapshot of a referendum that was very close and to sort of damn particularly England to hell doesn't feel like an enlightened... Or, or... But I don't think I'm doing that. I don't think I'm doing that. Listen, I know lots of people who voted Brexit and I can argue with them. I don't, I don't hate them. I hate what Brexit is doing to the country. Yeah. To Britain. Not to England, not to Scotland, to Britain, to the United Kingdom. That's what I hate. And, and I hate the fact that because of the way that our political, political media culture has developed, it's not even kind of really on the agenda anymore. So it was the biggest event in our lifetime. That's what we were told. And now it's like it's gone. Well, it hasn't gone, and bad stuff is happening with it every day, and we have to pretend it's not happening. But well, you can't do that. Yeah, but you're in a place where you can do this now, uh, and on social media and stuff. Keir Starmer <clears throat> can't keep talking about Brexit, surely, because people just say, it's done, it's over, move on. Yeah, they can, and I get that. But he, what he can say, and what, to be fair, David Lammy has been saying, is that <clears throat> Brexit wasn't just an event. It's a process that we're now having to live with. And the first thing we have to do is to re-establish better relations with the European Union. Because they remain our single... You know, they're there. They're not New Zealand. They're not Australia. And Liz Trust with her cut-and-paste trade deals to get, you know, half a dozen yam-yams, whatever the hell that is. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, that's what I mean about it. It's all politics to them. Tim Tams, the Australian ones. Tim Tams. Tim yeah, they're Tams, like... Yeah. Um, What's a yam-yam? Yam? Birmingham, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is a yam-yam? 
thought we chant to Birmingham City and oh, Villa. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, by the way, was, by the way, if you don't go to the Leicester game, yeah, just don't even talk about football ever again, <laughs> ever. Because I know what Leicester Forest means. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right, so don't even talk to me. I once, the last Leicester Forest game I went to was at Leicester. Mm. And they've got one of those new grounds that I hate. Yeah. Where it's just like one big circular development. And the only thing dividing the stands in the vomitory area was just shutters. Mm. And Forest and Leicester fans, on Lift both sides shutters, basically yeah. had a kind of, like no man's land, mm. on Christmas Day, they pulled the shutters up, mm. paused, and then ran at each other. Mm. It was like, it was like a fr- one of these frescoes you get in the House of Lords. I remember... <laughs> I remember a bloke in front of me just saying to the woman behind the counter, went, what's the oddest thing you got, Doug? <laughs> said, well, we got some pies and some bobbery. He goes, get us the oddest ones. And he tore the lid off the pie and was just throwing Fuck it out. But like, like we say, football's great. Brings people together. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better than those rugby people. Um, what about other modern stuff, then, that, that Labour leaders and politicians are having to deal with now that you didn't have to deal with when you were in um, Downing Street? So, Tony Blair said... Effectively, <clears throat> Labour need to stay away from all the woke stuff. Firstly, would you call yourself a woke person? I don't know what it means. I really don't know what it means. It's like politi- when politically correct was the thing. It's like, I just think the right have been very, very good at developing labels to make anybody who doesn't want to be as right-wing as they are feel a bit weird about what they think. Um, <clears throat> so, you know... I, I, I don't even want to f- go with the label. When I saw that, I'll tell you what, I saw that headline, was it in the Sun yesterday? They're going to, that, that Suella Bra- Braverman, the attorney, she's the attorney general, yeah. And they're going to, because of this tr- statue down in Bristol. Colston. Yeah. They're going to they're bring in, you know, new, new, new guidance for judges to stop woke jurors. What's that even mean? <laughs> what? No, it's not funny, Matt. What is it? <laughs> I know you're a comedian, but it's just not. It's not. Do we believe in the rule of law or not? So, am I woke? I'm, 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 um, am I woke? Grace, am I woke? I think you are, yeah. Uh, and do you think he's become woke? Or do you think... Would you have said he was woke five years ago? I think he's always been on the pulse, yeah. On the pulse? On the pulse. Why can't we be on the pulse? That sounds good. I'm on the pulse. Right. Sounds so old-fashioned, that's why. What, on the pulse? Yeah, why can't we be tip-top? What does woke mean? Well, I think it means, like, awake, as in aware. Well, I want to be aware. Well, then you're woke. Right, well, I don't... don't My problem with the country at the moment is I don't think we're aware and awake enough. But when you... Well... But stuff like gender identity, Mm -hmm. sex identity, stuff Mm -hmm. like that, where are you on that? Well, it's a bit, that's a big question. There's loads of stuff within that. I'm with... Uh, it's really interesting, actually, with Grace being there and, uh, and she's with her best friend from school. Primary school is so sweet. Um, <laughs> uh, her best friend's not at primary school. She made that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, Grace has definitely sort of opened my eyes to a different way of thinking about all sorts of stuff. I think... I think look, I... And, and Fiona, we were talking to... Fiona, Fiona was talking about it earlier today or yesterday, about, you know, this whole debate on trans at the moment. Now, I, I, I can remember having discussions back in the day about gays. Um, and, you know, I know you've had Peter on here, right? Peter Mandelson. And I can remember that, that P- Peter used to be sort of... You know, he probably won't like me talking about this, but he, he, was, he, was, he used to be tortured about 
the, the fear of what was going to be done by the press, by our opponents. Right, well, you know, that's gone. That's gone. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. What would people, what would the, the woke, anti-woke brigade today have called that back then? They'd have called it woke. So I think the issues change and develop. But I think it is important that you kind of, you keep abreast of them. And, and um, so I think, you know, I was up in, um, when, I, when I was up in, um, uh, in Scotland, so we, we, we go, we're at this little place called Corran. There's a Corran ferry over from Fort William, right? And there's a New Year's Day swim every day. Right yeah. in in the in the water in there, and we Fiona and I swim every day, anyways. So it's no big deal, right? Yeah. But all these people come on with the woolly hats and all the rest of it. Anyway, they tell me there's a woman there. The SNP councillor is a French trans woman, right? Completely accepted, been elected, right? And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I thought that's amazing. I thought that was good. And I don't know if that makes me woke or not, but I thought that is pretty impressive. I've seen footage of you swimming um, on your social media. Mm. I, I, but some people, you know, if, if someone had been in a coma since about 2005, yeah. and then they woke up and this guy was basically running down the street and mm. then he's basically naked in a pond. <laughs> Look at what has happened in the intervening years. Well, it's not naked. No, what's happened is that social media has come along. Yeah, and you've floated your body on it. <laughs> <laughs> you've been getting them out. Well, listen, Matt. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 the swimming has become a... Look, I've, I've had a different addictions through my whole life, right? And this, the cold water swimming has become... It's like Fiona and I went to the Lido this morning and it, when it, it was five degrees. Oh, God, I was really hoping it was four today. <laughs> and it is a bit bad. What, yeah. to, like, test yourself, push yourself? No, just... just um, I love the feeling of it. I've grown to love the feeling of it. Uh, I hated it before, but what we did was when you kept... and you, you just got to keep going day by day. You can't sort of dip in and out. You've got to keep going. And then once you get below ten, and then you get to eight, and you get to six, and... <laughs> I know the numbers below ten. <laughs> <laughs> Five. <laughs> there are others. Um, but do you... Is there a temperature at which you wouldn't go in the water then? No, because I've discovered... I've learned this thing. Are there any scientists in the room? Is it true? <laughs> is it true that... You know, because we were once in Russia, years and years and years ago, we were in Leningrad, and um, there was this guy standing on the ice, and he cut with a knife, he cut the ice around him, yeah. and then went down into the water, and then started punching up the ice through the water, and then was swimming in this free... What we assumed was freezing cold water. But apparently the water below the ice never goes below four degrees. Does anybody know if that's true? I, I want it to be true. Because <laughs> I'll then, if it's true, I'm going to go and do that. I think that'd just be an amazing thing. You've got to be careful, though, right? Yeah, a little bit. You get stuck under the ice, that's it. Yeah, but, you know, you've got to live a bit as well, haven't you? Well, you live a bit longer if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might do. Yeah, but I think, you know, I'm 65 this year, Matt. I mean, uh, uh, people know I'm a Blair, right, and everything. You look amazing on it. I'm mean, actually at times sitting here tonight thinking just you're so young in the face. Oh, you know, you look I've immaculate. Got, oh, thank you, darling. I've got, <laughs> I've got to say, one of my favourite... The Blair Brown documentary series, which I, yes. know, you, I know you watched, uh, one of my favourite comments was Rory, Grace's older brother, um, 
And he phoned me up. He said, he, he watched the whole thing. He binged watched it. And I said, what do you think? He said, got to tell you, you've aged the best of the fucking lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Have you watched them all back? Mm -hmm. What did you think of it? Uh, I got very frustrated, to be honest. Why? Yeah. Because they, they made... They, 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 I just thought the Tony Gordon thing... Maybe it was a sort of weird form of PTSD, I don't know, but it was like... <laughs> I just thought they overdid it. Um, and I thought there was too much stuff in there that, that didn't, wasn't that important and, and a lot of important stuff that wasn't. So, for example... Was hold on, was Kosovo even mentioned? Well, I mean that was a. Or really, Sierra Leone. Yeah, well, but Kosovo was a massive part of our yeah. first term, huge. <clears throat> so I thought they just felt they had to go with all the Tony Gordon, Tony Gordon, Tony Gordon. I got very bored with it. However, I've been amazed at how many people who did see it have said they thought it was extraordinary and thought we all came out really well and blah 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 blah. But I think that's only by comparison with what they now see we've got in government. <laughs> um, no, seriously, because, you know, the one thing you couldn't say is that it wasn't a serious bunch of people trying to do serious things for the country, right? Um, and I thought there were some very odd decisions within it as well, you know. What like? God, you always ask questions I don't really want to answer. Um, <laughs> well, I thought, for example, Richard Wilson, the Cabinet Secretary, right? He I was mean, great on it! OK. Um, <laughs> right, but... but all I'll say is he spent a lot of time, at the time, complaining that he wasn't in all the big meetings. And he seemed to start every answer with, well, I was in that. I said to Blair, I said to Blair, I told Blair. And I thought, mm, yeah, OK. So there was just stuff like that that got a bit... There's a bit in it, I can't remember what it is, but there's a bit in it where you were all really laughing about something. Was it the WI? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, it's really funny in retrospect. You know, the bit that really makes me laugh about it is that Blair's at Wembley... Arena. Yeah. We're getting slow hand claps. And there's a bit where he sort of realises what's going on. I think he says something like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Do you know what? Oh, I don't, no. they, I don't, listen, they, they, the other thing that slightly... I mean, you know what? I know... Look, if somebody's going to watch five hours of that, right? Yeah. If somebody's, which a lot of people did. Apparently the figure's really good. I reckon they could have done ten. Easy. And somebody also said there should have been one where it was just Tony and Gordon talking about the same things, which they had the footage for, right? They could have done that. This would be like that Beatles thing, Get Back. We'd oh, get, like, eight which, hours of Which, by the stuff. way, is unbelievable. So good. Oh, I love the it. The bits... Well, firstly, the accents. Like, they've got beautiful... You know, that sort of deep thing. Yeah, I was saying that in Hamburg. You know, these lovely sort of deep <laughs> voices have all got. And, um... you, you've never done the Beatles before, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's all that... The bits where you're watching him write, let it be. Oh. Let you get back. When, when Paul McCartney, left-handed, when Paul McCartney, and it's just, I think it's just him and George, and he's going, yeah. George, is that a GRC? Yeah. What do you think, a GRC? And you know how he does it in the end. It's fabulous. It's one of the best things about the creative process I've ever seen. And I the love bit it. where he's writing the long and winding road, and that bloke's oh. just smoking a fag, and he goes, and, and all he's got is the kind of dun 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 to oh, your. Oh, Billy door. Preston comes in. Well, he goes, Oh, that's like, because uh, you've seen The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. He goes, yeah. oh, not seen The Wizard of Oz. He goes, well, it's like that. It, it makes me think of that sort of yellow brick road. And he hasn't said the words yet, Long and Winding Road. And that, basically, I know. is no, from The Wizard of Oz. And also, when Billy Preston comes in... Oh, my God. ..and just transforms it on the piano. It's, it, 
I mean, I and like the, the Beatles, but I've never been a mega fan. The it's coppers. just out of this world. I mean, imagine how many people have watched this, by the way. Yeah, you've got to watch it. It's worth getting Disney Plus it's for. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I, I think it's the best thing I've seen on telly. Uh, since Burnley beat Blackburn live on... Oh, no, I didn't see that on telly, cos I was there. Cos <laughs> <laughs> um, I go to games. Um, no, but the, 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 so the Tony Gordon thing, and then... The, 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 you know what? They had all this footage, and I know it's really hard. I mean, I've done telly. I, I did a documentary on depression. We had 72 hours of film to get down to, like, 30 minutes. It's hard, I know that. But I thought that they... I, I, I just think they got, they got the balance right. And on the WI, I don't think they used the best stuff, to be honest, which was... Because I... It was... I said... I think I said... I think they used the clip where I said, outside party conferences, there'd never been a speech that caused so much grief internally. Okay. Some of us were totally against it from the word go. Uh, others were, you know, Angie Hunter and I think Jonathan as well was quite in favour. Tony was massively in favour. Need a big political message. This is the place to do it. Middle England, blah, 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 blah. And I told him the story about, I decided, this was maybe a bit of a sulk, I didn't go. I stayed in my office, Angie went, sent a press officer. Tessa Jowell went. Tessa went, I actually had a press officer, Lucy McNeil, who no longer there, and she phoned me that morning. From, she was the advanced person, she did, we had an advanced person go and make sure everything's there and set up everything. She finished, look, I've read the speech, I really think this is a mistake. And I said, you're fucking speaking to the wrong person. I know that. I know that. Um, well, I think you should tell him. Well, he's already left. So I've, I did phone him. And I said, look, Tony, this is, honestly, this is my last attempt. This is my last attempt. But I really think, no, well, it's too late now. OK, on your own head, be it. <laughs> anyway, so you, I'm now in the office doing other stuff. I've got a meeting with John Prescott. John Prescott's in my office. And uh, we're sitting there. We've got the telly on in the background behind me, right? Tony's off doing his thing. And at one point, John just says, I can see he's looking at the telly. I said, what's wrong? He says, he's doing his Bambi look. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around, he was doing his Bambi look. And this is when he did that. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so... You obviously still talk to Tony. Do you still talk to Gordon? Not as much. I do, but not as much, no. And how does that go? I mean, it's fine. It's OK. I mean, I, mean, I do think, like, you know, like the, watching the other thing, watching the Beatles thing, it was, was when you see... You can see the relationships changing. Yes. You know? Uh, you can, and again, knowing how it ends... Uh, I, you know, the saddest bits for me was when George... Well, there's the bit. No, there's the bit when Paul and Ringo are there, and Paul suddenly says, "And then there were two. Yeah. And he starts. To, you can see his eyes filling up. Yeah. And then the phone goes, and somebody says, "Do you want to talk to John?" It's John. He's right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to John. But when jo when George says to John and Yoko, "I'm thinking about doing an album on my own. What do you think?" And I wanted George, I wanted John to say, "No, don't do it. You're a Beatle. Don't do it." And they both said, oh, "That's a great idea." And I thought, "Well, you can see it breaking up." And I felt a little bit that watching the Blair Brown thing. OK, so out of... So there's you, Peter Mandelson, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown. <laughs> <laughs> who's... Fuck. Who's John, who's Paul, who's Ringo and who's George? Grace? Um, well, you're asking me which of me and Peter is George and Ringo, and I'm not playing that game, OK? OK, so um, let's start with... Out of, out of Paul and John, which one's Tony and which one's Gordon? 
Hard to tell. Hard to say. You see, I think the, what, the other thing that's really interesting that in the Beatles one is because of the period that it's in, Paul comes over as like the boss. Yes. Right? Um, whereas that, you know, I never, I never thought that until now. Okay, so maybe he's Tony then because John had always thought he was in charge and then it changes and he's sort of <laughs> brooding in the corner. And... Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe? Yeah, he just carry on talking a load of bollocks. Anyway. <laughs> But then Paul goes to live on a farm in Scotland, so maybe he's Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's you, maybe that's you. He goes wild swimming. And he gets Bullock and Tyre with the bagpipes. Which is the answer? Played by the guy who taught me when I was a kid. How about that? That's cool. Yeah. And, of course, it's the pre-match anthem for Nottingham Forest. It is, which is one of the weirdest things ever. How did, was that, did they play that on the telly yesterday? Is that how you knew that? <laughs> hey. Why do they play by the entire? Because we sing City Ground, I'll miss rolling in from the Trent. My desire is always to be here. Yeah, no, but why Ground. do you do that? Because well, it just fits. OK. <laughs> Someone will have started years ago. Do you, t- you keep, still keep a diary? Yeah, not as religious as that, but yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. W- why less so now? Um, I don't know, really. It's, no, I still do it, but I do it electronically, and it's, uh, I wish I'd not shifted to that. Have you kept all the old manuscripts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the latest edition is very, very good, Volume 8, which, of course, I'm sure you, you all bought. Uh, and That's not know, funny either. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I'll worry about that later <laughs> when I listen back to it. Um, so, do, you uh, listen, do you listen back to this? Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. We Tony to. would never listen back to speeches and interviews. Yeah, but he didn't have to, did he? Well, he did sometimes, and, but Clinton did. Yeah. Clinton used to look back at speeches and interviews. So, if you'll forgive me, everyone, I, I, I bought this and then oh. I, I realised I was in the index. Oh, right, OK. So, this is from Wednesday the 26th of March in 2015. Yeah. Or 2014. Yeah. Uh, writing a speech for Edie to give in Germany. Eddie? Edie? Eddie Rama. Eddie Rama. Yeah, Albanian Prime Minister. Evening out to St James's Theatre for an evening with Matt Ford. Square brackets, comedian and writer. <laughs> As opposed to household name doesn't need explanation. Yeah. If you need a square bracket. You know what's really sad is it's after Eddie. It's like everyone's going to know this Eddie guy. <laughs> after fucking E Dog. No, because he's already been mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fair point. Yeah. He did half an hour of stand up and then me. Good interview. Oh. Both of us funny. <laughs> Well, I'll go tonight. <clears throat> Duchess Theatre. Never been there in my life before. It seemed quite nice. Uh, he did 25 minutes of stand-up. BDI joke really <laughs> fell flat. Uh, me after the interval. One of us funny. <laughs> <laughs> then it says, got a bit heavy when we talked about depression, etc. Then in the q and I slightly lost it with a guy who called TB a hypocrite, got very feisty, went for a drink with him after. It was yet another crowd that was OK with me but had real issues with TB. I remember that really clearly. Right. Because it was really funny. And I, I could t- tell afterwards you were slightly worried that you'd offended the guy. I'd asked for one-sentence questions and one-sentence answers. Yeah. And I think he'd asked a pretty... Um, and he was in, within his rights, testy question about Tony, at the time getting the job on behalf of the quartet. Mm. And I think you said, you've asked for one-sentence answers, I'll give you a one-word answer. Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> And that he was, was a loyal customer. Oh. A good man. 
Is he here tonight? <laughs> Apologies. Um, yeah, I sometimes still get... I still can get fired up like that. But, I, you know, in a way... I, this may... I don't want this to sound cynical, but on the night, as always, mm. you, you were a fantastic guest, uh, and the audience were fantastic, uh, and everything. Part of me was like, I think, in a way... People kind of want to see that a bit. Mm. And I wondered if you thought, of oh, Alistair Campbell, and I haven't given them a kind of Alistair Campbell moment. No, I think... I, I mean, I don't remember it, but I, I think if it would... Some, this, this, if somebody gets under my skin, you know, it does happen. Uh, your podcast, Football Feminism and, uh, and Everything in Between, that you do with Grace is fantastic. And there's a great story you told on there. I think Grace told it, about you getting annoyed with a guy who dropped some litter. Yeah. And you had a word with him. Yeah. And... I was absolutely on your side, and I think it had threatened to get physical, and I mm. just thought, good, I hope you punch this guy. I mean, mm. litter drives me <laughs> mad. But you're Alistair Campbell, you've got to be careful. Yeah. So what happened? So I've been out on my bike, because uh, as well as going swimming every morning, I then go out on my bike. Yeah. Uh, and Plenty of work on, have you? Yeah, loads to do, loads to do. Yeah, I'll listen to my podcast. I'll listen to my podcast, great. Uh, listening back, you know. So I, I stop at the corner shop to buy something... And as I'm <laughs> parking my car, parking my bike, uh, this guy pulls up, opens his, parks his car, opens the car door, and just starts throwing all the litter on the floor. There's fag packets, receipts, half-eaten sandwiches, all the stuff that we all have in our cars. We'd and see it... the Prime Minister on one of your cycles. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sort of... I just said... Who's going to clear that up? And he said, what's it got to do with you? I said, well, I fucking live here and I don't want to live in a pigsty. Uh, so that was that. And then... <laughs> but did he just... Did, did he at any point go, hang on, you're that Alistair Campbell? No, well, then I thought, hmm, danger zone. I went into the shop. I bought the thing that I was buying. Do you remember what it was? A bottle of LucasAid. Nice. Uh, LucasAid Sport? Yeah, which is ridiculous. Because, and do you know why I buy that every time I come off a bike ride? It's because I, when I did the marathon in 2003, which was one of the greatest moments of my life, that is what they gave me. Shows it works, doesn't it? <laughs> so now when I do a run, and if, if I'm feeling that went well, I'll go and get a LucasAid Sport. It's weird. It's weird. You should do the adverts. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind John Barnes. <laughs> so anyway, I came out and he's sort of just got this look on his face. He's looking at me through the car, and I opened the car door and I threw it all back in. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, so he got out, and do you know what really, really, really pissed me? So then I, I think, oh, fuck, I've really, probably, that was probably a mistake. I grabbed my bike, bike's now between me and him, mm. thinking, anyway, so he starts pushing me a bit, and I said, hold on, all I'm doing is giving you back that. What I do is suggest you go home or go... There's a bin over there. Go and put it in the bin. Then you won't need other people to... He's now kind of losing, losing it a bit. Uh, and then he, he, he says, if I eat you once, you're dead. You're an old man. <laughs> oh, fucking... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm now really... Anyway, to be fair, the shopkeeper came out and sorted it out. Yeah. Did that, did that offend you, then, being called old? Didn't like it. What, is that because it preys upon a fear that you are old? 
<laughs> well, I am. I mean, technically, I am, right? But no, I think it was I, no, and also I, I, I do. It's funny. I was, I was, I did. Fiona was in my head by now. She was. I knew she would disapprove. So she's your conscience, a little bit. Yeah. So she's, and she'd be saying, you know, why are you getting into the scrape? What's the point? And you'd be saying, it's chuck litter on the floor. Yeah, and, and I do, and she doesn't like litter either. She hates it. She should punch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one of the one of the reasons, I mean, Grace obviously wanted to come along tonight to see that it was true that I told her that she's a better comedian than you. Um, but also, she does get me out of scrapes quite often. What in the street? Yeah. How often is this happening? Not often. Not often. It does happen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, what other stuff sets you off then, apart from litter? Oh, I see. Not stuff... No, I mean... Oh. No, just people who think they want to have a go and, you know, people like that every now and then. Because I would think most people are pretty decent. They and are. I'm sure people come up to you and tell you that, you know, you did a great job, you look good, yeah. etc. That's you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How often do people give you stick? Not often, but, you know, well, look, social media every day. Yeah. Every day. Tons of it. Um, around the place, not, not very often, but, you know... Often enough, the... often enough, you've got to keep your wits about you. But do, are people genuinely, or is it just other side of the street cowardice, or is it in-your-face stuff? Mm, a bit of both. And do you feel scared? No. More like the kind of Incredible Hulk. It's kind of... <laughs> uh, scared of what you could no, do. You just gotta be, you've got to be... You do have to have your wits about you. Yeah, definitely. Because that would intimidate other people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The only time I've ever had trouble from Burnley fans was at Forest. Good. During the fuel protests. Okay. Yeah. Only time I've ever had grief from Burnley fans was during the at Forest away end, one of the eighty-six away ends I've been to, yeah. which is about eighty-four more than you. <laughs> QPR and Millwall. Oh, London. Oh, convenient. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to list the. Away I'm not going to fall into the trap of trying to impress you with the fact that I've been to. Walsall. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Walsall as well. Um, so, where were we? Uh, you were in the Burnley Way end. Yeah, yeah, and I got... I, the, during the fuel protest, which is one of those periods when I felt the country was slightly losing... becoming unhinged. Yeah. And I went... I, went, I, would, I just went out for a pee at half-time and I got a load of grief in the... In, it's the only time ever from Burnley fans. See, because obviously fuel prices end up getting way higher than that. It was a really odd crisis. Mm, mm. It was. It's, it really it's odd was in it. retrospect to see the jitters that ran through the government at that time. Oh, it was a nightmare. But it was a nightmare because... And, and that's why, you know, the, the, I always say that the worst two for us were... were I mean, Iraq and Kosovo, you understood why, people, why it was so difficult. But the fuel protests and foot and mouth, it was, you really felt the country was becoming just weird. Incredibly unreasonable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, John Prescott, during the fuel protest, he had this, whatever anniversary it was as an MP, he was desperate for Tony to go to this do-in hole. And so we went to it, and um, remember, we, we had the, the cops came and said, listen, we're going to have to get you out of the hole, uh, because the, the, the lorry driver guys, they're blocking every exit and every route in and the route out of the hole. And they had to get us out. Poor John Prescott, he was absolutely mortified. Was, you know, Tony couldn't stay for his due. Uh, but it was just strange. It was a really strange time, that. You know what I really remember about it? I found it so funny, was Farmers for Justice. Mm. Were they called that, or Farmers for Action? 
And there was a guy called, was it Tony Handley or something like that? It was Handley, I remember seeing him on Channel 4 News and he was going, Tony Blair's not fit to lick my boots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe it was. It was the. It, it was really terrible, really. But it was the fact that they all sounded like farmers as well made it. Because the fuel guys, you're like, they're truckers, man. They're yeah, yeah. When you saw the farmers on there, and God bless uh, British agriculture, of course. But oh well, my or, or, God! Or, or shafted by Brexit. Yeah. 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 So you got something out of it? <laughs> Do you think? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> no, the fuel. The fuel protest was. Uh, that was grim. Yeah. Um, so, your daughter Grace is a very successful stand-up comedian. She does very different comedy to me. Hers is very personal, very confessional. Her book, uh, Amazing Disgrace, did very well and is very personal. I've seen clips of you both on Instagram where she reads excerpts of it to you and uh, it's, you know, that's stuff she gets up to. Um, how do you feel as a, as a father when you read that stuff? I think I sort of moved myself into a kind of weird, out-of-body third person. <laughs> <laughs> That was Grace, by the way. Uh, yeah, I have to. And I, I also, I, 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 I sort of, I channel, I try, I, be, I, I become somebody else in my head. And who is that person? Somebody who would think this is perfectly normal. <laughs> uh, and I sometimes, I, I often think about my mum as well. I mean, my mum, my mum <laughs> lo- absolutely adored Grace, and Grace absolutely adored my mum, but the one, when I, sometimes when I see... Grace doing stand-up, I do sort of think, it's probably good that she's dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she'd, she'd struggle. She'd struggle. How sweet. And Fiona's mum, who's nine... Yeah. Well, you're not allowed to say, are you, but... She's three short of a hundred. Uh, and she, she like... She, she just... If Grace... Grace did this TV programme, and I was just desperate for Audrey not to watch it... Um, and it's, uh, but, but she, you just have to, you just have to hope the the deafness is fine. <laughs> um, but is it because I really like outrageous comedy, so yeah. it's right up my street. And it's really funny. Yeah. But it's so funny, you know. If I think of as a comedian, my mum's seen routines that I'd have done at a particular time. Like, how do you feel as a father hearing stuff about modern women? Fine, I'm fine with it. Because I'm woke. I'm on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was funny, though, when she, when she, when she did uh, the Edinburgh Festival. Yeah. You were there as well, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so she was in this little venue, and, and, and of course, on the one hand, she wants us to go, and also, a lot of her comedy at that time was about growing up with me, and the show was called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. And, um, and so she said, you've got to sit at the back. You've got to sit at the back. So I, I sort of shuffle in, and I, and I sit at the back. But, of course... Checking it against delivery? No, 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 I'm just sitting there, kind of... She obviously doesn't want me, want me to get noticed, but... in the middle, <laughs> everyone could see you when they were walking in. You sat in the middle. So that everyone could see you. Yes, That's, it no, is. Grace, <clears throat> this is what you comedian people do. <laughs> I sat in the very back row, and as people came in, because the door was there, and I sat in the far corner, yeah. they walked in, and as they walked in, they all looked back and saw me. Yeah. So as Grace was doing her most outrageous stuff, you'd find they'd laugh, and then they'd all go... <laughs> 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 so i go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you've given me a lot of advice tonight as a comedian. I, I, I take that on board. Yeah. Um, no, I'll tell you what, I've, I've got three kids, and they're all doing very, very, very different things. 
and they're doing things that I wouldn't have ever done. Uh, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, yeah. you should be. Yeah. <laughs> A nicer note than last time to end on. Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> True. I can't, no, I can't rebut it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very special night. Um, sometimes we do take questions at the end. Because of Omicron and with masks and stuff, I didn't think it was sensible to have people getting up and projecting droplets. So um, hopefully I've... Well, that's asked. a shame. Yeah, I know, but if, I, I am nervous about... Are you mm. nervous about COVID? Well, I don't want it. I Who read, does? I, I read, uh, well, I don't know. I, I think people have become very blase, but I don't want it. Oh, here's something. How <clears> would Tony <throat> Blair deal with anti-vax? I mean, he's called them idiots, but if you're in Downing Street, how would you deal with anti-vaxxers? I think the government should be tougher in terms of the sort of messaging. Put them down. No. Uh, <laughs> I know, you know, Macron got grief the other day from all the other kind of leaders for saying, you know, I'm going to piss these people off. What it meant was, I'm not going to have you ruin life for everybody else. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think, I think probably would be a bit tougher. Uh, Compulsory jabs? I don't know. I think that is tricky. I think that is tricky. But I think, look, I was thinking about this the, the, earlier, that, you know, if you, if you think about when, about smoking... Yeah. Right? So if you'd have been doing comedy 50 years ago, we'd now be living in a fog of smoke, because you could smoke, right? And there came a point where the debate tipped from being a debate about my freedom to my right not to have to breathe in my smoke. Or my comedy. No, that's a choice. You don't, I don't have to breathe in your comedy. But I think, and I, and I think that we're not at that with the vaccine debate. But it might get to that eventually, you know. It's like, I, I thought one of the other really difficult periods in government was MMR, when the Mail and that guy Wakefield and the Today programme were really trying to push that whole thing out there. And, you know, I think, am I right in America? You have to have the MMR jab to go to school. Um, I, think there's, I think there's a jab here that doctors have to have to do with hepatitis. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if, if, we're, if you guys are all sitting wearing masks... Uh, and you're not taking questions because a minority are yeah. refusing to do something that government advice, science, everything else says is the right thing to do to get through this, I think eventually that debate moves to a different place. I don't think we're there yet. And you think um, this event may, may trigger that, that if people feel that... <laughs> it's really think, affecting frontline stuff now. People are going to the political parties. No, I think, I, think, I think this is a historic venue and a historic event. Um, you know, because, I mean, let's, let's face it, it's only 24 hours since you didn't go to the <laughs> city ground <clears throat> for what was being described last night as one of the greatest nights in your club's history. And you've had a few. We have indeed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we thank Alistair Campbell, Alistair, you've been superb, as always, thank you, but tonight has all been about <laughs> the fantastic Grace Campbell! <laughs> <laughs> before we go... Before we go, um, uh, thank you all for coming. This has been a fantastic night. Do come to future nights. Mattford.com slash live for all those uh, dates. Please thank everyone here at the Duchess Theatre and at Avalon, who's made tonight possible. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only. Alistair Campbell. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there you go. What a night. That was absolutely thrilling from beginning to end. And even just the stuff about the Beatles and his, obviously, just 
he loves the TV show that's on Disney Plus. But trying to pin him down on which new Labour figure would be which Beatle um, was very entertaining. And and the stuff about Grace and her stand-up and how he deals with having a daughter that does very confessional uh, stand-up and how he feels about that. And also Alistair Campbell. I mean, I know I said this in the thing. He, he does not look like a bloke approaching his 65th birthday. He obviously takes very good care of himself. So that can deceive you a bit because actually he is very modern. But equally, he's been a big figure for a long time. And he's certainly in his pomp when he was highly influential in politics and had power, whether, you know, and he would say, of course, as he did in the interview, that his power came from Tony Blair because he was working for the prime minister. But it is interesting to talk to him about wokeness or political correctness, however you put it, and where he is and where Labour needs to be and where as a society we should be and pick his brains about more contemporary things where perhaps language has moved on a bit from the time that he was there. So uh, I, I just loved, and also not just taking the mick out of him, having him take the mick out of me for not going to that Forest match, which, you know, hurt a bit, because obviously I wanted to be there, but I didn't want to risk getting COVID uh, on, on the way there or back, or, or indeed jeopardising anyone that was coming to the show. So there you go, you see, when, when you come to the political party, you, you know you're in the hands of a, a responsible host. So I hope to see you at a future event. Some of those, I mean, every single one of them. Angela Rayner in two weeks' time is going to be absolutely incredible. Monday the 24th of January will be the first time I've had Angela on the show, the deputy leader of the Labour Party, a star, and not just a star, a rising star, someone with a lot of road left in politics. I mean, he's only at the start and is already... I mean, when you see her at Prime Minister's Question time, She's able to go up against Boris in a way that very few people are. And she's got that ability because of the fact that she's got a slightly different persona that really works for her. Um, so that will be great. Monday, the 7th of February, Michael Heseltine, one of the biggest figures in British politics ever. That is very exciting. Monday, the 21st of February, Edwina Curry is an absolute hoot. And that is going to be a real joy of a show. And on Monday, the 7th of March, delighted, of course, that former leader of the Labour Party, Neil Kinnock, will be on the show. So lots of great shows coming up. Tickets for all of those at mattford.com live. But happy new year. Thank you for downloading the show. I hope you're doing well and I'll see you soon. Ta-ra. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.